0: I'm going to limit the banter to five minutes. Oh, okay. Try and record this as live. Roger that, Houston. All
1: systems five by five. But so what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. Last Get away from her, you bitch. Fibers. I'm Batman. No. Oh, do not. There is no tomorrow.
0: Welcome to episode 121 of the Nerdfest podcast. This week's nerds are...
2: Dan Watkins. Andy Chandler. Peter Johnson. John Farby.
0: And I'm Hazel Chandler. On today's show, we are reviewing some of the TV shows and films that we've been enjoying recently, including Brendan Fraser's return in The Whale, Korean Hitchcockian-style thriller Decision to Leave, Stephen Moffat's new drama Inside Man the back to the future musical and we will head back to the quick stop convenience store with kevin smith's clerks
3: clerks
0: clerks three there we go (laughs) plus andy has a fun film quiz for us all at the end of the episode so with that let's start the show you
4: mean clerks clerks (laughs) So what has everybody been up to this week? Uh, I've been quite enjoying Reacher on Amazon Prime. Oh, yes. Which is a new yeah, series. I watched Reacher. It was a Tom Cruise film, and oh, yeah. now it's a TV show with... And it with... seems
2: ridiculous. The, well, someone you haven't heard of. But mm-hmm. it seems ridiculous, the idea of Tom Cruise playing the character. And I know everyone yeah. who'd read the novels thought it was daft at the time. But this
3: guy's body is ridiculously stacked. Yes, it's uh, Alan Richardson. <laughs> to the extent he can't put his arms in his pockets. Yeah. but that, <laughs> so that, that is like this yeah, all the time. That is exactly what... Jack Reacher is cause after the series came out I started reading the books and I think I've read the first five up to now mm. and it is absolutely ridiculous mm. uh the things that Reacher can do in I think book three he manages to stop a bullet shot at him just through the thickness of his pectoral muscles. (laughs) Wow. He is so muscly, he stops a bullet. He
2: does take the top of a beer bowl in the crook of his elbow in the first
3: episode. And um, the the show is a lot of fun. It's based on the first book, Killing Floor, which is one of the best of the five I've read. And it's just full of really, really stupid things like because he's a drifter and he doesn't really belong anywhere. In one episode, he buys a suit, goes and has a fight with someone, takes off the suit, dumps it in the bin and changes into his drifter clothes again and the suit just stays in the bin waste of a suit yeah mm. it's very very silly but he doesn't like to own things he doesn't like belongings because they tie him down
2: Reacher. i think the sporting characters are quite fun I yeah quite, i quite are. enjoy the police chief and the female police officer he works yes with. yeah but uh, yeah the idea that he is a huge intellectual brain and
3: has a body like that does seem a bit yeah. weird super smart super strong super everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: So we've we christened it Meet Meathead Sherlock. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, pretty much sums it up. And the the nice thing about the books is each one is a totally different story. Reacher is the only thing really that overlaps from book to book because he's a drifter and gets caught up in crimes and like mysteries and murders. the littlest hobo. <laughs> the most muscly hobo. But yeah, it's good fun. Um, I recommend the series as a taste to see what it's like. And if you enjoy it and have fun with it, get into the books, and one of the little facts at the end of each book is something like every 27 seconds somebody buys a Reacher book somewhere in the world, and has done since about 1997. It's very, very popular.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, there are quite a few TV series that are either have either come to an end recently or about to, mm. so we might need something new in our lives. But um, one TV show has divided us right down the middle, and that is She-Hulk. And maybe we should get into it in more depth when we have Louise um, with us. Because, um, she if you made, want a lot of hatred. Yes, the vitriol uh, that Louise has for that series is hilarious. Um,
3: she is the savage she-nerd. Yeah.
0: So, but maybe we can just very quickly sum up how we're feeling about it. I loved it. Um, Dan, how about you?
3: There were two or three episodes I really liked, the same number that I really didn't like, other elements that i admired and hated at the same time (laughs) peter i really wanted to love
2: it and i I feel it has the potential to be brilliant mainly because she's so good but it felt like someone within the team had no idea what story was and how to actually tell a story within half an hour because it's like they made a 45 minute thing and then just chopped off the last quarter of an hour and didn't tell anyone in too many episodes (laughs) andy I liked it quite a lot.
5: Um, my liking dipped a little bit in the middle episodes as it drifted a little bit and lacked um, a strong, solid through line of a story. But I really liked the ending. So overall, it's good. I like the way it went for a Blazing Saddles ending. Mm, <laughs> yeah, that really worked for me. But mm. I can imagine some people didn't quite take
2: to that.
0: John, yeah, I remember I got a text from you that night at the finale aired saying that was absolutely awful.
2: Yeah, I think Louise may have influenced you.
5: <laughs> now, John, is that a recommendation from you or not? <laughs> yeah, that is, um,
4: I, I think it... I mean, I, I like a little aside to the camera and stuff like that, but just completely breaking the universe at the end.
2: So you dismiss Blazing Saddles for that reason?
4: No, but Blazing Saddles is a singular film, not part of a multi-shared universe where there's everything else going on. And are they not now saying that all the other stuff that's happening in all the other Marvel films and everything, they've acknowledged that it's all...
2: Did you not realise these were <laughs> TV shows?
4: No, I thought, they were, I thought they, were, they, were, they were documentaries, but does it not cheapen all the other
3: Marvel stuff? Yeah. You could kind of equate it, as most things, to wrestling a little bit, <laughs> in that you you require a certain level of suspension of disbelief <laughs> to enjoy something, but if someone does something within a show where they go, none of that was real, this is real, yes. mm. After the next ad break, you're back to it being not real and you're meant to pretend it's real again. But that thing that just happened was real, but wasn't. It muddies it a little yep. bit. And on the Blazing Saddles thing, that is my least favorite part of Blazing Saddles.
1: Wow.
3: Even Monty Python the Holy Grail, where it turns out to all be a history program. It's funny, but mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of the fourth wall break. I admire how daring and how yeah. far they went with it. Because if you're going to go for it, you might as well go all mm-hmm. the way. But that was one of my larger problems yeah. with they've She-Hulk kind of, anyway. have kind
4: of made it explicit that nothing that happens in the Marvel Universe is real. We, and within this the was fi- a surprise to you. But we, within <laughs> the fictional construct of the Marvel Universe, where you have your suspension of disbelief, they've now destroyed, as Dan said, they're destroying that suspension of disbelief.
3: By. You know what Ian May would say to all this? Embrace! <laughs> yeah, so each week we've been posting our thoughts in a messenger group about she-hulk and i particularly have been having problems with the fact that there are just superpowered people who've been around and everybody's mm-hmm. totally cool with it and nobody seems to think this is a problem despite 30 odd films and multiple series treating superpowers like a big deal it's just a thing in she-hulk and everybody's cool with it and all ian had in response was the word embrace mm-hmm. yeah. and i could yeah. not
0: the series lived and died by its lead tatiana Mislani. Mm. Yes. and she's brilliant yeah. she's well, i don't think it would have worked with anyone else I love how strong she was, but I love how vulnerable what she was at the same time. It made her incredibly endearing, really relatable, even though she's a Hulk. I really took to this series and I love the way that it ended, even though I had to kind of think for about 12 hours about whether I did actually like it. I've landed on the side of absolutely loving it. And I can't wait to see She-Hulk in the wider MCU and see what she does there. I hope mm-hmm. she breaks it further, to be honest, yeah. because it had gotten a bit stale
3: yeah Mm -hmm. it felt different and i like that this is why i love eternals the more i watch that film the more different and completely apart from the rest of the mcu that film feels so you've watched this more than once yeah i've watched Eternals like three or four times voluntarily yeah it is genuinely top (laughs) 10 marvel for me it's really i really love it because it feels totally different so i get how you feel about she hulk because that is how i feel about eternals but i don't feel that way about she hulk
0: Fair enough. Um, but She-Hulk is no longer in our lives. Um, but you know who is, Dan?
3: Is it is it Andor?
0: Well, yeah, there's that as well. Because episode
3: but... six was spectacular.
0: I'm, I'm more talking about a certain charismatic individual.
3: Oh,
5: no. <laughs> oh, I know who you mean. He's back and he's hungry.
0: He's, yeah, he's not been fed for a year. <laughs> oh, guys, somebody feed Phil is back. And I'm just watching this show. Like, I've got a hanger in my mouth.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but what? What? Sorry. You know, like I'm constantly, smiling. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, food, food lovers TV is pretty good. Yeah. At the moment, because Stanley Tucci's got a new series out, competing with Phil. Except you only feed Stanley in Italy.
4: Yeah. Those the rules. Yep. I hate somebody feed Phil because I hate the TV show. I hate Stanley Tucci in Italy because Louise is just sat there staring at the screen, clearly in love with Stanley Tucci. (laughs)
5: This is how she feels
3: anytime you watch a Nicolas Cage film. Yes, yeah, I (laughs) believe so. But how could you not be in love with Stanley Tucci? He's 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 brilliant. Yeah. Mm. So where where's Phil being fed this time?
0: So the six episodes we've watched, two of them so far. Um, One of them is Croatia, and the other one is somewhere else.
3: Correct, Philadelphia.
0: Philadelphia. Thank you very much. Yes. Somebody
3: feed Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah.
0: Both of the um, shows that I've watched so far have involved either Phil running up some steps or going down some steps. So he did um, for Cro- or No, um, for no. the Croatia I'm Joe, thinking. He the first shot is of the stairs in. Oh, you haven't From seen Game it.
3: No, I, I haven't. Does he walk down the steps of shame with John behind him, just ringing a bell, going shame, shame <laughs> for being himself?
0: Let's just say he doesn't walk down the steps.
3: Okay. Is he naked?
0: He he gives some (laughs) advice for anyone who has to do the walk of shame like Daredevil on how they might want to attempt Mm. it Right Shall we get on to our recommendations?
3: Yeah How much time was that? Too long We were being timed
0: Five minutes exactly Wow
3: (laughs) Was that a um, party
4: quirks five minutes? (laughs) Yeah
0: Okay so our main recommendations these are the things that we'd like to talk about because we have been enjoying them recently or John's watched them recently. Uh, where shall we start?
2: Well I can start with one that does actually include Stanley Tucci. Oh.
0: Yeah, let's always start with one that includes Stanley <laughs> Tucci.
2: And that is
3: Inside Man, which inside,
0: is in... I he said Inside Stanley Tucci. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Only in Louise's. <laughs> no. It's like inside Fever out but all the emotions are just different kinds of pasta. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Um, This is a new four-part series written by former Doctor Who showrunner Stephen Moffat, which stars David Tennant and Stanley Tucci, who brings a real touch of star quality to it. He plays a former law lecturer on death row in the US for killing his wife. In one of those strange scenarios you wonder if it only happens in fiction, he gives advice on cold cases from his prison ward. In each of the episodes, he's brought a crime puzzle to solve. Uh, John, does this sound plausible to you nah, from a legal not standpoint?
4: <laughs> not really. It, it sounds like that terrible... I mean, it sounds a little bit like signs of but it yeah. also sounds a little bit like that terrible show with Michael Sheen from a couple of years ago. Oh. He was a serial killer. His son was an FBI agent oh. and, and one thing puzzles <laughs> his dad to yeah. solve. I remember that, yeah. but I
3: forget the name. So
2: it keeps cropping up in fiction, but yeah, I don't believe it at all <laughs> in real life. Meanwhile, David Tennant plays a suburban vicar back in England. One of his parishioners asks him to hide a USB drive as he's terrified that his mother will find it. The vicar's son lends that drive to his maths tutor, who discovers it contains child porn. She Mm. speaks to Tennant, but he can't say where he got it from. And he ends up claiming it's his, before he knows how bad it is. And she (toughs) believes that he's just covering for his son. (laughs) Frantic that she'll go to the police, he tries to stop (laughs) her leaving, but things get out of hand, and she ends up in the cellar in a pool of her own blood from injuries sustained falling down the stairs. That escalated quickly. It did. (laughs) And that's all in the first episode. Wow. So
3: this is a twisty-turny kind of a drama.
2: It is, yeah. So the story arc plays out over four episodes as we follow him and his wife trying to decide what to do about the situation. And the case of that missing tutor is brought to Tucci, and he tries to piece together remotely what happened. It's an entertaining show, although it stretches the bounds of incredulity in places, (laughs) as you can probably tell, part of which the difficulty of believing David Tennant could ever let something like that happen. You know, it's David Tennant. I I just can't imagine that happening. And it does contain the line, because I'm a fucking vicar, at least one too many times. (laughs) Sold.
4: They're the worst type of
2: vicars. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was all filmed in the UK and they only got Stanley Tucci because he was stuck there due to a COVID lockdown.
0: Yeah, his wife is English.
2: Ah, oh, right, I yeah, didn't his, know his that.
0: wife is uh, Emily Blunt's sister, Felicity oh. Felicity Blunt. I'm going to go with Felicity
4: because yeah. okay. they met when Tucci was doing the Devil Wears Devil Prada. Prada. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's
2: interesting. Stephen Moffat's, of course, famous for writing some great Doctor Who episodes like Blink and the Empty Child, and show running all the way through the Matt Smith and Capaldi years. Uh, he also co-created Sherlock and wrote Coupling, an early sitcom I love. However, he's had less success recently with adaptations of Dracula and The Time Traveller's Wife, both of which... Mm.
0: But hasn't done very well. And it's been uh, thrown into the gutter by the critics.
2: And And cancelled, rightly. And cancelled, yes. The series is available in the UK on BBC iPlayer and it'll be available around the world on Netflix from October 31st. It's one of a few series where they seem to have done that, including the bodyguard and Jiri Hadji.
0: But with something that deals with such a dark subject matter, is mm-hmm. it actually enjoyable to watch? Or, I mean, how do you feel after you've watched them?
2: Yeah, I enjoyed them both. You do wonder how it's going to end. So you haven't got to the end yet? Uh, I have. It's, oh, okay. it's only a four-episode series. Yeah. Uh, but you do want them to mm. get out of it, even though they've got themselves in that stupid situation. And meantime, also, you have Tucci solving one of those little sort of puzzle box cases. So there's mm-hmm. kind of like... Two different speed things running at the same time, uh, but yeah, it's good fun. I yeah. think
4: it sounds like two shows wedged together a little bit. Does the interaction between the Tucci storyline and the Tenant one?
2: Uh, yeah, there were there were perhaps times I wanted to stay with the Tenant storyline because that mm-hmm. was the more immediate one. But, but still, I was happy with it. Who doesn't want to see Stanley Tucci? <laughs> <Anyone>?
3: <laughs> <laughs> no one. No? No, no, d- dead air to that. Because <laughs> yeah. who who would ever disagree with such an idea? <laughs> Yeah, no, this sounds fun. I've seen adverts for it. I've heard a couple of reviews. Yeah, I feel like I should get onto this one and add it to the watch list because it sounds suitably twisty, turny, dramery. Yeah, which is kind of what I want. I I don't want slow burns or anything like that.
0: What's your favourite Stephen Moffat adaptation, and where would you rank this one? Oh, compared to that.
2: I think my favourite the things he's done is probably Sherlock. The pilot of Sherlock in particular oh. is brilliant. I mean, I, I really liked his tenure in Doctor Who as well. I thought he was really good there and Coupling. Even though it was a sitcom, it would do things like have two different storylines where you were seeing events that were happening three hours apart, a split screen, and weird little things like that that totally break what you'd expect out of a sitcom. And he found excuses to work a Dalek in and other th- other things like mm-hmm. that. So you could tell he was a fan before he started doing Doctor
3: Who stuff. As long as this is better than his Dracula, then <laughs> it'd be
4: fine. That was such a the first episode of that was great. No, it wasn't. <laughs> compared to what happened afterwards yeah
3: I never got that far I only watched yeah. the first one and thought it was the most appalling pilot Dracula I'd ever watched uh-huh. um well, so I can only imagine how bad two and three were
4: how does um Stephen Moffat's Dracula compare to Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula
3: <laughs> I would probably take Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula over that one whoa (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Um, yeah it's an excellent that's an excellent victorian english accent there andy
2: (laughs) (laughs) is that the movie title with the most possessive apostrophes or is there anything worse than that
4: that must be the winner i know there was kenneth banners william shakespeare's hamlet
2: at one (laughs) point or something like that at one point they all sound like a sort of naked gun ripoff version (laughs) of something don't they
0: so how many tucci puzzle boxes where the answer is always stanley tucci out of 10
2: (laughs) yeah i'd give it a good solid eight at any point, does
4: Stanley Tucci solve his puzzle box and Pinhead appear and <laughs> tear everyone's soul uh, apart?
2: Sadly for you, no.
0: Do <laughs> we move on to something a bit lighter? Fluffier?
2: Yes, lighter.
0: Cuddlier? I'm looking at you, Dan. Oh, me?
4: Um,
3: yes. <laughs> Not you
0: personally. I mean, the, t- the subject area you're <laughs> yes. about to discuss. Yeah, he
3: uh, is very cuddly, though. Very fluffy. Yeah. Yes, it's a cat. Um, <laughs> Now, uh, I was in that London recently for work and had a spare evening, so went to see Back to the Future, the musical. Whoa. Yeah. Jonathan Harker's back. Great Um, Scott. So this is a musical adaptation of the first Back to the Future film. And the story, presumably, everyone around this table is familiar with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, It is the story of that first film with a few little changes probably required 35
0: 37 it's as old as i am so nearly 37 okay
3: that many years on so no libyans uh einstein the dog not present Um, stage
2: production reasons i see i
3: would imagine so i
2: thought they might have had a gag stuffed dog that they used somewhere like in the car uh sadly
3: not yeah uh uh, spaceman from pluto does does not appear So there's a few little changes, but generally speaking, if you are familiar with the story of Back to the Future, the film, you Mm. know exactly what's going to happen in what order and where it's going to go. So is the script identical? A lot of the famous lines and sequences Mm. are pretty much word for word. So a lot of the famous parts that you expect, like, you know, take your damn hands off her and...
5: Manure! I hate manure.
3: No manure oh no manure i i think he ends up in a dirty laundry basket oh that's good (laughs) uh just before the interval um things like i guess you guys aren't ready for that yet but your kids are gonna love it think things Uh that the lines that stick in your head a lot of the time are just there what they've added is songs because it's a musical (laughs) do they presumably they
2: use some of the famous songs from the film do they
3: ish though presumably power of love uh power of love shows up but as a song performed by Marty McFly and the Pinheads is band back in time shows up uh Johnny B good is in there and what's the one that Marvin Berry sings at the dance he angel that's yeah that's the one yeah that shows up there's
0: probably a reason why you don't recognize it Peter (laughs) yeah um
3: other than that you're talking all original music which I believe Alan Silvestri and or Huey Lewis contributed to or wrote in some degree but you wouldn't know it because other than these recognizable songs from the film the songs are probably the biggest issue I had with it in what way in that they weren't very good oh yeah um as a show it's really really impressive uh, the DeLorean is really cool the effects of it going back and forward in time work really well the lighting is some of the most impressive lighting I've seen in a stage show. Do they have like flames from the stage? Yeah and computer wiring boards and things like that the effects are great the costumes are all really good and for the most part completely movie accurate but I could not hum you the tune of any of the songs No earworms I heard. in there not a one. Mm. Um, there were a couple of good songs in there. Um, Goldie Wilson, future mayor of Hill Valley, he gets a good song. As a show, it's impressive. As a musical, it wasn't very to my tastes, let's say. I think it's that the songs didn't seem to have much of a character to themselves. So it was like, we are making Back to the Future the musical. We will do Back to the Future, and we need to stick in a song here, here, and here and just very generic very basic musical songs i sort of compared it a little bit to an improvised musical where a character in a scene says a line like you've got no future mcfly and the musician off stage goes oh that could be a song and starts Mm -hmm. the piano and they start singing with the first line being i've got no future and that's the Mm -hmm. theme of the song i was expecting either 50s style songs or 80s style songs, or some combination of the two, and they were just pretty generic musical theatre songs. And I love a musical, but I don't love all musicals. I like ones that have something a little bit different, a little bit of character to them, like your Hamilton's, like Come From Away. This was just standard. People were enjoying it, so it did seem to work. On the way out, I did hear two people behind me saying, oh, I should really watch the film. Um And a friend said, oh, yeah, I'm sure it'll be on Netflix or somewhere. If I find the link, I'll send it to you. This strikes me mm. as unusual. Maybe there are more like them <laughs> out there. But um I just thought that was really interesting that you would pick that show of all the things on in the West End to go and see with absolutely no connection mm. to Back to the Future as a quote-unquote IP.
4: I went to see Jaws at the Royal Albert Hall with... um the full massive orchestra the screens to do and it was amazing but there's some people in front of me and one of them had never seen Jaws and a friend felt the need to explain to her about Jaws and the <laughs> story and what was going to happen talked all the way through Oh
5: Jesus, I mean there's a good way to understand what's happening in Jaws and that's to fucking watch the film mm.
4: So um, how many miles per hour out of uh, <laughs>
5: 88? Or if you prefer, how many gigawatts out of
3: 1.21 okay um (laughs) 0.65
4: so we're talking between a five and a six maybe
3: kind of yeah it's as close as you'd get to you know being in back to the future because it's happening live and in person in front of you but if you're going wanting like a really great musical that you go home and you immediately download the cast recording and you listen to the songs for months afterwards which is what i do when watch halton When I watch Hamilton or (laughs) The Book of Mormon or even something like The Lion King, which is so spectacular as a stage thing that even though it's the songs from the film, it's given a new life. This one didn't quite have that. So musical fans, you could see better things. Go see Come From Away before it finishes in January.
4: Oh, definitely. Would you like, before we move on, would you like a mini quiz? That was inspired by the Back to the Future musical. Absolutely. Hmm. I'll do a few of them and we'll see how many of them Peter wants to leave in or take out. (laughs) Okay. Okay, so um, obviously Back to the Future is a great idea for a musical. There's some films that I think wouldn't be great as musicals, but I've made them into musicals anyway. Okay. Mm -hmm. Using popular songs with changing the words slightly. Okay. Your aim is to name the movie musical adaptation. Okay. Okay? We'll start with some easy ones. Saturday nights at the movies. Who cares what picture we see? Oh no, it's a porno! Please stop talking to me.
3: Would that be Taxi Driver the musical? That is Taxi
4: Driver the musical. <laughs> I am on the dole to put some more bread in the food bank, babe. I am on the dole. <laughs> spray paint a wall with me. I Daniel Blake the musical. That is I Daniel <laughs> Blake the musical. <laughs> Here in my car, I get turned on by it all. Drive Here's a wound in my leg. Stick your cock in quite far. <laughs> that crash oh, the that is crashing. There's cars. only a few more. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Matt Damon shitting on potatoes. Oh no! <laughs> I wonder if they're gonna grow. Well, his friends a show? Because he's stuck on oh, Mars. Yeah. <laughs> the the Martian. Only the then I worked out what the song was. <laughs> I got it right away. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. um, Mamma Mia, here we go again. Why did you stab her in the shower? Psycho, <laughs> <than you. laughs> And finally, I apologise in advance. i like the other one. <laughs> imagine there's no Kevin. It's easy if you try. No one would hate us. And those children wouldn't have died.
0: We need, we to, need talk to talk about, about Kevin, Kevin the, musical? the musical. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> it was either that or Home Alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
5: Amazing. Right. Wow.
0: Well, while we recover from that, uh, maybe, Andy, you could bring some intellect back to the podcast.
5: I'll try. Well, my recommendation is Decision to Leave, which is a Korean film currently in cinemas. It's a twisty, turny noir thriller uh, written, directed, and produced by Park Chan-wook, who is perhaps best known for 2003's *Old Boy*. <gasps> it's not quite as brutally violent as *Old Boy*. *Decision to Leave* is the story of an insomniac detective who investigates a mysterious death and gets too close to the dead man's widow, who is also the prime suspect. It's a simple enough premise, but one that leads to a deep examination of a forbidden relationship and conflicts of duty versus desire, blurring the lines between right and wrong. It is rightly been described in promotional materials as Hitchcockian. There's a lot of content here, and something for pretty much everyone. There's tension, romance, action, humour, psychology, and mystery, but it's incredibly well balanced. Uh, All the different elements fit together and flow beautifully. It feels like it's been made with immense care, thought, and attention to detail. And although it veers off in some unexpected directions and the plot grows ever more intricate, I managed to follow along okay. It retains its focus throughout, so it maintains the relationship between the two leads as the heart of the film, never loses sight of that. It never loses itself in being too darkly mysterious or in demonstrating too much style. And it has some great style. A wonderful visual flair with some beautiful shots and image composition, which is something I love. You'll be hard pressed to find a better looking film this year. Um, My one tiny minuscule gripe, really more of a baby griplet, is that things felt a little slow in the first half. This feeling was completely erased by the end, though. Uh, It's a film that builds throughout, constantly becoming deeper and richer as it progresses. My favourite section of the whole thing was the final act, as all sorts of threads that I hadn't even realised had been dangled came together brilliantly. The ending is exceptional and steeped in great character work and emotion. I think that when I see it again, I won't feel like the beginning is slightly slow, as I'll know where all sorts of things are going to go. So that's Decision to Leave. It's in cinemas at the time of recording, uh, likely still there when the podcast is released and will be all over streaming services at some point. Don't be surprised if you hear about it at the Oscars.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's Korean's uh, entry for the Oscars, I believe.
5: Yeah, Best International Feature Film. If it doesn't get nominations for um, Best Director, possibly even Actors, I might be a little surprised.
3: So, um, Are you a fan of The Director?
5: I've and previous work. I've never seen any of his stuff before. Oh, I just oh. mentioned Old Boy because that's probably the um, mm-hmm. thing that he'd most likely be known for. I'm going to find more stuff. Maybe not Old Boy because I have heard it has a bit of a reputation for stabby, stabby, smashy violence.
4: But justified entirely and in context. And this is something I've read. Yeah. Amazingly shot. Yeah, I yeah. think
3: Old Boy is probably the reason for all of the stabby, stabby violence of films of the past 20 years because it did it so well and so stylishly that all the directors wanted to be like Old Boy. My problem with Old Boy was live animals being eaten multiple yep. times by the main actor who was a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Ooh, nice. And also
4: a Buddhist, but apparently he apologised to the animals before eating them.
3: Yeah, which, yeah, that uh, unnecessary didn't actually need mm-hmm. to happen. Mm.
4: And it's got a cracker of a twist. It mm. does, yeah.
3: Yeah,
2: which, but, you know, is pulled by causing people to anticipate it. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Um, Park is one of the top Korean directors in Europe, anyway, in terms of reputation. It's sort of him and Bong Joon-ho. So there'll be some really, really good films for you to discover, I'm sure.
5: There's one on Mubi, of course, um, called The Handmaiden, which is by him. And uh, it's apparently very, very good and I intend to check out.
4: It's amazing. That one that you've just described, Sam's, cloaks of in tune, I think, to The Handmaid, and then mm. something like Old Boy, or Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, mm. like the did, older did ones. Did
3: you do Stoker as Stoker an was him, English so. language film? Yeah. That's that's supposed to be excellent.
4: With Nicole Kidman, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. yeah.
0: I really enjoyed it, but I have to confess I didn't follow along quite as well as Andy did. it. it I, I lost a couple of threads, because there are quite a lot. When everything got revealed, I was a bit, little bit confused, but it didn't kind of detract from... The acting and just how amazing the film was shot. Um, I did also feel it was slightly on the long side. I think it's about two hours, 20 minutes. Yeah. Still very, very good. Good. Wow. <laughs> good then. <laughs> Which Hitchcock film would you compare it most to?
4: Um, I've got Vertigo <laughs> in my head. Sorry, and it's quite a high chair. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but a little bit of Vertigo, maybe some Psycho. mm
4: as somebody, I mean, Park Chan-wook is one of my favourite directors, and now you're comparing it to some of my favourite films, so I may have to check this one out.
3: Yeah, do. How many? Draw on all the
5: Korean stereotypes you know, Dan.
3: How many movie accounts out of ten? Oh, excellent,
5: well done. <laughs> um, I will give it nine movie accounts out of ten. That's a lot of movie accounts, do it's, you need that many? Oh, just in case, you know. Okay.
3: <laughs> Hazel, what have you got? <laughs>
0: So I would like to recommend what has been heralded as the Renaissance, and that is the return of Brendan Fraser in Darren Aronofsky's film, The Whale.
4: Mm. Was, that, <laughs> <laughs> was that an exciting <laughs> noise? <laughs> oh, oh, whale so number 23. Oh, just seemed appropriate.
3: <laughs> On the subject of whales, after Andy's Buffer Bluff, two episodes ago, oh, yes. I did watch The Island at the Top of the World, Where the Whales Go to Die.
0: Do you enjoy it?
3: It's remarkable. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's yeah, it's everything you could want from yeah film. from a 1973 disney movie <laughs> i know <laughs> i was yeah.
0: convinced i mean spoiler for the episode i was convinced that was a bluff because andy loves blimp so mm-hmm.
3: much yeah not only was there a blimp in it but it is a famous blimp that i have seen in real life it's wow. the hyperion that you can see in Discoveryland land in disneyland paris yeah and that's the film it's from and that blew my mind so <laughs> i thank andy for his whale before bluff and mm-hmm. now i would like to hear about another whale
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, I went to a preview of The Whale as part of the London Film Festival. um, And it is a film that got to me on quite a few levels. So it's all set in one location. And I love films like that. I absolutely love them. It is adapted by Samuel D. Hunter from his own 2012 play. And it does have quite a stagey feel to it. Um, So we are in Charlie's house. And Charlie is played by Brendan Fraser. We never leave the house, which is kind of mirrored by the fact that Charlie hasn't left the house in years. Uh, he is six hundred pounds. Uh, he is a teacher of literature, and he teaches his students remotely. And he always keeps his camera off, claiming it to be broken. So the film takes place over the course of seven days. And on the first day, Charlie experiences, uh, I think, was a, a heart attack. Um, and his nurse Liz, who is a uh, brilliant, uh, played by Hong Chow, good friend of Charlie's, comes over, and she's very, very, very concerned about his blood pressure warns him that he might not make it to the weekend and urges him to go to hospital. Charlie refuses. So over the week, Charlie tries to reconnect with his daughter, who he hasn't seen for eight years since he left her and her mother. It turns out that Charlie is gay and found the love of his life in uh, his partner, Alan. Alan is no longer around and we learn what happened to him later on in the movie and how it connects to Charlie's current appearance. Now we see the guilt that exists within Charlie over a number of things, none more so than what happened to his family and how his daughter has seemingly become, a, I would call her a monster. <laughs> mm. He doesn't see it that way. Uh, but his efforts to try and connect with her on any level, um, and that includes bribery, they're quite heartbreaking to watch. He's a very wounded individual and it's played so, so well by Brendan Fraser. I felt so connected to his pain and, you know, at the same time I felt that he was just, he was just so lost, but ultimately I kind of knew where the film was heading. But the final act is still, it's it's astonishing to watch and the main performance, I think, comes from Brendan Fraser's eyes. Like, you could see the pain in his eyes, but he's got wide, like, childlike eyes as well, so you could kind of see... He was scared, fearful and wondering what was going to happen to him. The pace is quite slow. I will admit there was a section in the middle where my attention wasn't quite 100%. There's a storyline where um, a Christian evangelist from the church of which Charlie's partner was a member kind of knocked on the door and there's a kind of section around him. It didn't quite work, but um, when the emotion kicked in again and we learn a little bit more about Charlie's story, just so so powerful to watch and i did become quite overwhelmed with emotion by the end of the film so ultimately it's a story about uh guilt regret wastefulness not a barrel of laughs now i've not seen many darinovsky's films i know that he's a director that can handle very very dark subjects uh the one film i have uh, seen is the wrestler
2: Mm. great film yeah
0: this has a lot of similarities to that putting his body through a hell of a lot, even though he knows what he's doing may ultimately kill him. Yeah, in tone, it's, it's very, very similar to that. The whale had its world premiere at the Venice Film Festival in September, and it received a six minute standing ovation. And I remember watching that clip of Brendan Fraser uh, reacting to it with like so much emotion, and watching it knowing that he's had such a incredibly tough decade as, an, as a as a person. It really did pull at the heartstrings. I don't know whether that affected my viewing of the film. It probably did. Um, but yeah, I found it very moving. I've seen some reviews which have called the film's premise dehumanising. I think it was Vanity Fair who said it, the film was meant to be a poignant consideration of guilt, sexuality, religion and remorse. But we only really know that because the movie shouts it at us. And I, I didn't feel that way at all. Mm-hmm. I thought it was quite subtle. And for me... Because of the structure of the film taking place over seven days, it was basically a man coming to terms with everything that he regrets, everything he hates about himself, and what the world has done to him too. I didn't think it was shouting
4: at all. So, Agreed. Yeah. yeah. The general consensus of the reviews that I've seen, kind of along the lines of Brendan Fraser is amazing in it, but the film itself isn't amazing. So you you disagree with that.
0: I think his performance is the first thing I would mention about the film mm-hmm. if I was to sell it to anyone. But uh, I, I think that it's the premise, the story, the directing is worthy of that performance.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. a little bit like The Wrestler again, because the narrative around that when it came out, it was all about Mickey Rourke.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, it wasn't so much the direction of the death match with the Necro Butcher um, <laughs> <laughs> or anything like that. It was all about Mickey Rourke and that's what gave the film momentum so and similar with black swan it was natalie portman was first and foremost in any conversation that yeah. people had about that so is it self-consciously oscar-y because the wrestler and black swan are the two aronofsky films that have really pushed for awards
0: it's hard to judge with the oscars because as i said it's a quiet film and it's actually quite a quiet performance from brendan fraser he's not saying me award me award me award me
3: mm but would you like to award I him? would
0: love him to for many reasons, <laughs> but I genuinely think this is um, the po- the performance that I've seen this year that has affected me the most and therefore I would like him to win on that basis.
5: I'd say that the film outside of Brendan Fraser is good um, and he is utterly outstanding, completely compelling performance. Um, yeah, uh, he's, he's just got so many different levels and he kind of accesses them subtly and I really love Brendan Fraser because of The Mummy, obviously. Um, (laughs) And and all of the shit he's gone through and it's wonderful um, that he's he's back on top now. And um, going into the film, I really, really wanted to love it and I wanted to love his performance. And there was a little flea in my head saying... Oh, but but he was this, this action star. I've not seen him in this kind of film before, really.
3: George of the Jungle, I think you'll find, was a serious introspective <laughs> yeah. look at colonialism. Yeah. <laughs> very possibly.
5: <laughs> no, it truly is that good. It really is f- phenomenal.
3: Yeah. And obviously very different kind of performance, but mm. where does it rank among the best Brendan Fraser performances? Because he is amazing in The Mummy. He is similarly amazing in Airheads, a film I will defend to the death. <laughs> um, you may have to. <laughs> it's, great. it's brilliant Airheads is fantastic um, but is you know is this one of the things that you would look at and go that is the best thing he's done yeah
0: I think I would and we have seen The Mummy recently on the big screen yeah. I think they have very different films, yeah. Yeah. but that shows the kaleidoscope of his talent. Mm-hmm. It's so, a lot better than that uh, Liz Hurley, was it where he oh, plays? Bedazzled. Bedazzled, yeah. Bedazzled. yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> so, uh, yeah. How, how many uh, well-deserved little gold statuettes <laughs> would you give him out of 10?
0: I'm going to go nine.
5: Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Andy, and what would you? I'd probably give the film eight and I'd give him 12 out
3: of 10. Oh, well, that's pretty <laughs> good. Like with everything that exists, there was, I saw backlash tweets for mm-hmm. this film with people calling it fatphobic and accusing it of fat equals bad and point, pointing out reviews where the reviewer just had to stick in a of the Hutt joke. and That was things, The Guardian. that thing, was Peter Things like that. It, yeah. Where do you stand on?
0: It's a tricky subject matter, but the film is not about his obesity per se. It's not, it's about him as a person. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't no. call it dehumanising at all.
5: No, I think, if, if anything, it's, it, it makes him very, very human.
4: If you were going to compare it to The Nutty Professor, the Eddie Murphy film, <laughs> would you say it's, it's, it's more considerate than that or less? <laughs> I'm
0: not going to dignify that for the response. <laughs> right, John, bring us yes. home with your recommendation. Yeah, John, bring
4: us down. <laughs> so, um, the intriguing career of Kevin Smith, who mm-hmm. has become maybe more of a pop culture icon and personality than he is known as a filmmaker more recently with his podcasts and various offshoots. And, you know, he's, he's, he's a man that is n- never off social media. And this is Clerks 3, which is the third in a trilogy, starting with his first film way back in
3: 1997,
4: I want to say. 94. 94, God. But sort of kind of a, a scrappy black and white made using his father's credit cards and selling his comic book collection film. And that became, um, I think it was one of the films that really put Miramax on the map as well. It was one of the you know, the first big breakout hits. He then went Hollywood with Rats and that didn't work. Went back to Independence with Chasing Amy. Then we got Clerks 2 in 2006, which was a sequel, but in colour, set in a fast food restaurant in the main rather than in a, a quick stop convenience store. Didn't really work, but it was nice and uplifting. And we ended with Dante, who is the main character, the the Quick Stop worker, looking forward to his new life with Rosario Dawson, and a, a really, really optimistic ending. Been trying to make Clerks three for about ten years now. There's a couple of scripts that went by the wayside, and then about three or four years ago, Kevin Smith had a massive heart attack. Apparently, it's known as the Widowmaker, yes. and you have a 20% chance of survival, and he luckily was one of those 20%. So he came out kind of with a new outlook on life. Very, very grateful that he'd survived, but also the films that have come since have been a little bit more saccharine somewhat and cloying, I would say. So then we have Clerks 3. The plot of Clerks 3 involves the main character having a heart attack, Realising that his life isn't what it wanted to be and then decides to make a movie about his life in the convenience store.
3: And is Rosario Dawson still in the picture?
4: Let's just say Alien Free. No. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's his
0: most personal film.
4: The original clerk saw this one. I think the the whole series. They're like- very personal to him, it's kind of his life story. And they are generally kind of more grounded in a, a reality. Then some of the other films, like the Jane Silent Bob Strike Back and th- th- things like that. That
3: one where Justin Long becomes a walrus. Yeah, that's a really good film. Tusk. Good good album as well.
0: <laughs> Everyone hates Kevin Smith's Jersey Girl, but I love that. I didn't mind Jersey Girl. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's a really right. grounded yeah. film. Uh,
4: Jersey Girl got caught in... Um,
0: the Ben Affleck. Jeanette yeah, Ben Affleck Jean- 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 didn't Jean-
4: it? it? Yeah. So we have the two characters, actually, the two lead characters, Dante and Randall, who, are, who have worked together behind this convenience store for ages. Randall has a massive heart attack, decides that he's going to make a film set in the store. And then what we get in the middle is a really 20 or 30 minute sequence where they're just refilming bits from the original clerks. Right. And the jokes and the bits of film from the original clerks are so much better than the things <laughs> that I are in mean, the new one. It's kind of a little strange. But then you find out that Rosario Dawson died in a car accident whilst pregnant with Dante's unborn child. Mm. So what you've got is you've got that. You've got somebody having a heart attack. You've got this these conversations about mortality and losing everything and growing old, which are really heartfelt and well-written, but we've still got the actors and the original clerks who really struggle with delivering... Not really
2: an actor, the lead, is he? The,
4: Brian O'Halloran hasn't I done... I don't v- think he's
2: been in anything else, has he?
4: Very little other than Kevin Smith things. Yeah, so it's great, but the actors struggle. You do get Rosario Dawson appearing via flashbacks and other things that I won't say. I think they got the maximum two days of Rosario filming.
3: (laughs) Just on on her phone on the set of Ahsoka. Yeah,
4: Yeah. Uh, and again, that's not a spoiler because you see her in the trailer. So it's nice seeing Kevin Smith do these personal things and that, but then you've also got the ridiculous bits of terrible visual stoner comedy that have creeped into his later films so you've got a guy who was in Clerks 2 called elias now works at the quick stop and he is a born again christian so he talks about being a born again christian at great length for the first 20 minutes of the film and then as a result of vandal having a heart attack he denounces god and becomes a satanist
3: uh-huh.
4: and spends the rest of the film walking around while all this you know, heart stuff is going on, dressed in an increasingly ridiculous set of outfits with, like, goth makeup and pomodores and sand crucifixes and stuff and making all these Satanist comments, whilst he has his own little silent psychic called Blockchain Coltrane, who is investing money in cryptocurrency by selling virtual kites with Jesus on. And this all makes as little sense. And like you're looking at me, like, as John got insane, <laughs> he's putting incoherent, rambling sentences together. But that's the film. Mm. And these two things just clash so much. It's like he walks the edge of having something like emotional to say and serious to say while still being funny, but can't quite commit to that. Like he, he doesn't have the courage of his convictions. He has to put in these ridiculous visual jokes and annoying characters.
0: It doesn't feel genuine, even though it's a deeply personal that, film. That's the
4: thing. No, I think uh, the, 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 his stuff does feel genuine. It's that he, he kind of wants to have his cake and eat it. Right. Mm. Okay. Uh, can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a real hodgepodge mess of a film. And again, there's some beautifully written bits and beautifully written scenes. Then, but then fucking Satanist as Trevor turns up and starts. <laughs> doing a comedy dance until someone realises they've won loads of money in cryptocurrency and starts throwing lots of notes about it. Is
3: that how cryptocurrency works? Apparently so, <laughs> yeah.
4: So I'm, I, I don't know, I genuinely don't know where I am with it. I kind of watched it and at the end hated it. And then I kind of slept in it overnight and I kind of started to think about what he, some of the things he were saying, and the, the more personal bit, and, and I hate it less. So I think it's a, it's a noble failure.
3: It came very close to an actual recommendation there, yeah.
4: John. It's a recommend... It's a just got rid of... Uh, it's just bits of it as, as some of the worst things he's ever done and also some of the best things he's ever done in the same film.
0: So we're somewhere between a zero and a ten.
4: Yes. <laughs> right, we've narrowed it down then. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to give it a high seven.
5: Seven then. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, now it is time for a fun quiz and I, I it is going to be fun.
5: In the written description of this episode, can you please put an asterisk next to fun?
0: <laughs> um, Andy has devised a movie-based quiz for us, so Andy, take it away and explain the rules.
5: Okay, so this is another homage to Richard Osman's House of Games, and we've taken one of their rounds, and it's incredibly similar to ones we've done before. So I've taken the title of a film, I have added a single letter (laughs) to that title to change the title, and then I've written a new synopsis for my new film, and you have to tell me what the title is. For example, if I said, Earth's Mightiest Heroes Unite once more to steal a herb commonly used in stuffing from an evil robot, you would answer with Avengers Sage of Ultron. Yep. That's Ah, the level we're working at, okay? Right, so we're not going to go on the buzzers this time. I'm just going to go around and um, give you all a few until we get bored and wander off. Okay. Sound good?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Let's get
5: through this together. So, let's start with Hazel, why not?
0: Let's do it.
5: A plucky band of rebels seek to free the galaxy from the clutches of evil wolf creatures from Middle Earth.
0: Dan's nodding. So I'm like, I've got two films in my head now.
5: Brush them together. Ah, what? Wax. The wags. Yeah, that's
0: it. Yeah, that's, it. <laughs>
5: that's correct. <Hazel. laughs>
0: I'm disappointed in myself. I didn't get that. Too <laughs>
5: <good>. <laughs> John. Um, Timothy Chalamet is too stupid to survive outside on the desert planet, so he has to sit in the corner wearing a pointy hat instead. <laughs> uh, dunce. Correct. <laughs> Peter. Okay. Ingrid Bergman walks into her old flames Moroccan gin joint looking for an actor to play a green-skinned electric mutant in an upcoming
2: Street Fighter movie. <laughs> I've got this one. Uh, I don't know. Hand over to John. Casablanca.
5: Say
4: again?
2: Casablanca.
5: That's the name of the
2: original film. <laughs> Cast, a letter. Cast with a a K.
5: Correct.
4: Dan gets the point. Oh, I no, was... yeah, but I was putting a K in CKA. know,
5: yeah. oh, no, no. See, I added, added a letter. I've not changed a letter. That's, me, that's what makes it a completely different quiz <laughs> to Peter's on the last episode. <laughs> I see. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're all recording your own points because I don't have paper or pen. I get the Star Wars a point. memory.
4: I get you, Oh,
0: you're getting mine? I no, no, no.
4: <laughs> that, that was. You got that. Because. Yeah. I also, I mean, I, was, I think I it was, was a, a, a joint a, effort it, done. Yeah. yeah.
0: It was a rhetorical question to myself when I was asking. Or was it? Yeah. Yeah. But that, you decided to give me the answer. Okay. So. That, was,
5: that was evident. That was very generous. I don't generous think we're counting anymore. Score yourselves. All right. Dan, a killer cyborg is sent back in time once again, this time to give his opinion of an Olympic gold medal winning British diver.
3: Sport one. Diving's not a real sport, though. Tom um, Daly Genesis. <laughs> nope. You've given me a sport question. <laughs> you, not fair.
5: You, you got the relevant part of it, though. A killer cyborg is sent back in time once again, this time to give his opinion of an Olympic gold medal winning British diver. It's
0: a Terminator. Yeah, it's Terminator. It, yeah. Dominate?
5: Shall we throw it open? Diving board? <laughs> 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 I'll tell you sport. what it is. It's Terminator 2, Judgment Daily. (laughs) Oh.
3: Yes. Yeah.
5: Hazel, (laughs) after being defeated by Thanos, the remaining heroes spend more than three hours trying to glue their chess pieces back together.
3: Got this one. Yeah. uh yeah.
0: So, the film is Endgame. I don't know the rules of chess.
4: You don't need to. It doesn't have to be chess. If, if they put them back together, they were broken, so what yeah. would they
0: Mend be- game. <laughs> <Yeah>.
4: <laughs> Correct.
5: John, a giant radioactive lizard emerges from the sea to tidy up Tokyo and check to see if everyone's doing okay.
4: Godzilla. Oh, Correct. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
5: wow. Peter, uh, humans travel to a lush CGI planet in order to take an open-topped baked short-crust pastry dish from a group of nine-foot-tall blue aliens.
2: Well, I, I assume we're talking Avatar. Open-topped, baked, short-crust pastry dish. Have a tart.
5: Correct. <laughs> okay. Uh, Dan. Huge, monstrous creatures rise from the sea to receive haircuts from humans piloting giant robots.
3: I had literally thought of Pacific trim like two <laughs> rounds ago and I wondered if it would come up. <laughs> uh,
5: and there it is. Right then. Uh, Hazel. Uh, Tom Cruise's job, should he choose to accept it, is to dress in a tight leather suit and mask and be smacked around for the purposes of sadomasochistic (laughs) erotic thrills.
0: Mission Gimpossible? Correct.
5: (laughs) Uh, John. Okay, so, dudes. Uh, This police officer totally gets wasted by these evil dudes, but his buddies rebuild him as a robot so they can still go drink a few brewskis.
3: Jonathan Harker from Dracula. (laughs) Dudes. Oh, I get it.
4: Robo cop. Robo
5: cop. Robo. 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 Correct. <laughs> Robo cop. Robo cop. <laughs> uh, Peter. One summer, a group of kids work together to destroy a shape-shifting monster that usually appears to terrorize them in the form of a giant breast.
0: Oh yes. Yep. Oh tit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
5: Dan, um, Vin Diesel drives really fast to get to the buffet, but is angry to find there isn't much food left.
2: Wow.
0: <laughs> yeah, we know the film. So,
3: yeah. Well, it could be one of ten. I think one. Assume it's the first. <laughs> think yeah. one. The Fast and the Furious buffet. Oh, yes. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. Got it.
3: The Feast and the Furious. <laughs> correct.
5: <laughs> Hazel. Brad Pitt travels the world seeking a cure to a virus that is transforming people into Australians. we <laughs> <laughs> were we'll uh, talking about this for a Yeah, it's World yeah.
0: War Z World War Oz. Correct.
5: <laughs> John, a mysterious puzzle box unleashes demonic turtles who like to attach bony shields to people's backs. Shell razor. Correct. <laughs> Peter British troops on a training mission in the Scottish Highlands fight for their lives against terrifying weird penises. (laughs) I've got this one, I think. Like to throw it over to John?
4: Yeah, okay. Be dong soldiers? Correct. Dong soldiers.
5: (laughs) Dog soldiers becomes dong soldiers. That's the level. Dan, after his parents are killed in a tragic yachting accident, Mm -hmm. a billionaire tries to stop the League of Shadows from destroying his city while dressed as a vengeful ferry...
3: Boatman begins. (laughs) Correct.
5: (laughs) Hazel, mild manner reporter Clark Kent is secretly a caped hero who thwarts evildoers while listening to Oasis and having it (laughs) large.
4: Oh, okay. Mm. Yes, I get it.
0: Super -Super Mank.
5: Correct. (laughs) John, let's give you this one. Snyder bros rejoice as they finally get what they wanted. An epic tale of cute little rodents who band together to stay safe from cats and eat cheese.
1: Hmm.
5: This is a pretty unfair one. Good luck.
4: Just Justice League, obviously. It could be Zack Snyder's Justice League.
5: Cute little rodents who band together nice. to stay safe from cats.
4: Oh,
3: yeah. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. Me. Oh
5: Just
4: yeah. Me. yeah. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna pass it, I'm afraid. Just my, Just sleeve. my sleeve. correct. <laughs> uh.
5: I am not even remotely sorry. Um it looks like there's only two left on here. So um here we go. Okay, Peter. Batman has three jacks and thinks Bane is bluffing, so increases his bet.
2: Poker thing, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean I was assuming the Joker somehow turned into poker, but
4: I've got this one, oh, yeah. I, I, got this one. Mm, Over to you John The Dark Knight rises. Correct And <laughs> <laughs> um, the very
5: last one The one that if I had ordered this correctly I might have put somewhere in the middle um, Daniel, an archaeology professor Fights Nazis for possession of a fabled Small to medium sized songbird Raiders <laughs> of oh, right the Lost Lark Correct yeah. oh. And in the end Everyone's a winner yes! <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is all for today's episode of nerd fest thank you so much for listening you can keep up to date with all of our goings-on on our social media channels we're at nerd uk on twitter and facebook and if you like the episode please do leave us a review i promise you it will be worth your while because john has got something very lovely that he's going to do for you
4: Um, I have, yeah. Um, I mentioned earlier some bad ideas for movie musicals and you've got some little snippets of them um, but you will get the first full-length performance of the West End musical adaptation of Hellraiser
3: 5 performed to you in person.
0: What an exclusive treat. Until next time, you've been listening to...
3: A man who doesn't need roads (laughs) A man who
2: can't wait to see Hellraiser 5 A man who's living proof that you can have brains or muscles, but sometimes you have neither.
4: (laughs) A man who appreciates the irony of somebody else being unable to say something emotional without undercutting it with a terrible joke.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And a woman who thinks that if Brendan Fraser doesn't get the Oscar, I will eat all three of my Oscar sweepstake hats. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.
4: I've got another film musical for you. Mm. <laughs> There's a head in a box. There's I a head was, in a cardboard I was
0: box. waiting for seven, the musical.
3: <laughs> probably a sequel to six,
2: isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I have been wondering, is it far too much trouble to try and put a musical background behind each of those? I mean, you going to it you,
4: and you know you want to. <laughs> I am on the door bed in the fruit bank baby <laughs> I am all <laughs> the dough chuck up and spray paint a wall with me